wish everybody a good morning. And I promise when I prayed that everything would run smoothly with the technology, I didn't imagine God would take it away. Um, sometimes God answers prayer in a very mysterious way. That when I was planning this lesson for this morning, I've been going over it for weeks in my head, and it fits so well with Nathan's series on incarnation that I continued the same metaphor, the same language that Nathan had been using about incarnation. And us, specifically, if you were here last week, being the continuing incarnation of Christ in the world. That, you see, Jesus was the perfect incarnation. As we just read in the Scripture reading, in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through Him, the world did not recognize Him. Or in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or if you like the message, this is a really good verse for that, that the Word moved into the neighborhood. That it's an amazing thing, the incarnation of Christ. That God loved us so fiercely without any restraint, without any doubt. God came so that we could know Him. And now... That incarnation has been entrusted to us. From the scripture reading in John chapter 1, in verse 12, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a human's will, but born of God. Out of this fullness, we have been given or we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It's a very powerful mission we're on to be the continuing incarnation of Christ. To be entrusted with God's kingdom here on earth. And if we're honest with ourselves... And I think in this regard, it's easy to be honest with ourselves. We're imperfect. Just think about the last year, the last month, last week, yesterday, perhaps this morning. All the sin that you've been marred by. Sin that is your own and your life that has been touched by the sin of someone else. We as humanity struggle to be the continuing incarnation of Christ. It's a big mission. And we've been given a lot to accomplish it. First of all, we've been given hope. Because the good news is, we don't have to remain the same. We say that all the time. 
that we don't have to be the same. And too often we are. Especially as we approach a new year. Each and every New Year's, preachers all around the country, every Christian thinks about, well, what resolution am I going to make for this next year? What do I need to change? Even the secular world looks at making a resolution, determining what they can do to better themselves. But rarely do we follow through with them. Too often, we as Christians settle for cheap resolutions that we keep for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then we break. Instead of settling to the real task at hand, to work with our own determination, to achieve real transformation, and to become a new creation. The second gift we've been given so that we can handle this lofty mission is we've been given grace. And I don't mean Grace Kimmel. But we've been given grace. Grace for our failures, our flaws, and our shortcomings. But that grace doesn't give us the right to remain the same. Personally, consider. Consider this a moment of evaluation for yourself. How did you grow this year? How were you made new this past year? Has your behavior changed? And how have you been the continuing incarnation of Christ? Consider that with sober judgment. So I'm sure we all can say we've had some successes, but a lot of failures. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Or Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ... It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Or 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ and is a new creation, Then the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. What will you transform about yourself this year? What do you need transformation in? What part of your life needs an overhaul? Because too often we think 
of this transformation is God coming in and doing just some redecorating. I just need a touch-up here or there. When God wants us to have a complete and thorough overhaul. You could even ask Paul, we could put it in terms of a car restoration. It's different if you're just going to paint the outside of a car and put in new upholstery, as opposed to doing a full restoration. Taking apart the engine. Doing everything. That's what God wants from us. When we are a new creation, that means we are a new creation. We have nothing in common with our old selves. We don't cling to our old life. We let it go. You see, each and every day is full of opportunities for transformation. Full of opportunities for growth and change. Just think about how many people you interact with on a daily basis. How many opportunities does God give you each and every day? Just in your family. How many conversations do you have with your spouse or with your children? How many times do you have someone over for dinner, family or friends? How many times do we come together here or come together as the church somewhere else, either in a small group or a medium-sized group or everyone in fellowship? God gives us opportunities with family, with friends, and with strangers each and every day to show the transformation and love God has given to us so that we can demonstrate that love and transformation to each and every person we come across. You see, when we think about transformation or think about making a New Year's resolution, it's about changing a weakness or improving a weakness. And that's important. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God will be at work in your flaws, in your brokenness. He will cover those. His power will be made known through those. If you have a weakness for alcohol, God's power will be made known when you are sober. If you have a weakness in having a bad temper, God's power is shown when you are kind and loving and tender. That's not the only kind of resolutions we can make. That's not the only transformation that can take place. You see, as Christians, we're, call, we're called to use the talents we possess, the strengths we already have. One of the first pieces of advice I got in ministry was, make your strengths stronger. Use what you're good at and keep on using it. In Matthew chapter 25, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll set up the parable. We hear the parable of the talents. And yes, it's talking about money. 
but it's talking really about any resource, including what you've been given, the gifts you've been given, the spiritual gifts. That one servant had five talents, another had two, and the third servant had one. The master went away on a journey. Now, I want to read the verses starting in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 25. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came to settle his accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much more. Enter into the joy of your master. And also, the servant who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and see, I have two more. The master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much more. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, saying, You wicked servant. You slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I have not gathered, where I have not scattered seed. If we don't use the gifts we've been given already, we will lose them. If you have a talent for singing and music, if you do not sing, your voice will wither away. If you learn how to play an instrument and you play it and then you quit, you'll lose it. The same is true of each and every spiritual gift. If you have a gift for listening, but you choose not to listen to others, eventually you won't be able to. If you physically have the conditioning to serve in some physical way, in some labor, in some task, and help someone in need who can't help themselves, and you don't do that, eventually you will not have that physical strength. If you have the ability to feed the hungry because you're a cook, a good cook, and you don't use that talent eventually you'll lose it. No matter what the gift is, physical or spiritual, if you don't use the strengths God gave you, that God has spent a lifetime entrusting to you, then you won't continue to have them. So not only in the new year can you make a resolution 
to change or to improve a weakness. You can make a resolution to grow what you're already good at. And likewise, you can make a commitment to not only building up yourself, improving your weakness, or thriving and growing in what you're already good at, you can seek to do that in someone else. You can build up someone else. If you think, that's not me, I hate to tell you, actually I'm glad to tell you, it is you. No matter whether you're the most outgoing person in the room or the shyest, meekest, quietest person, you can be of encouragement to someone else. Whether you're 95 or whether you're 5. Or anywhere in between. Each and every person can be an encouragement to someone else. To someone here to someone in your family, to a friend, to a stranger. You can make a difference because you are the continuing incarnation of Christ in the world. You don't have a choice with that mission. When you take on the name Christian, when you decide to follow Christ, that's the mission you accept. That's the task you take on. But let me tell you, each and every one of us together, our shoulders are big enough to uphold that mission. We can do that. Because God has given us grace for the times that we fail and fall short. And He has given a spirit to shape and guide us. He has given us the example of Christ, the Word, so that we might have salvation and be able to have a relationship with Him. And He's given us Scripture so that we might know His Son better, that we might know His story of love for us. Don't settle for a cheap resolution. Don't settle for something you're going to give up on in a week or two. Aim high. Go for something that's really going to overhaul and change your life. Consider how much you want to grow this year. How you want to be made new. What you want to get rid of. And what you want to attain. Because if you're looking to truly be a part of the continuing incarnation of Christ in the world, to really drive forward with that mission, to be one of God's children in every way, you've got to be motivated to do it. You've got to be dedicated to do it. And you have to. You have to, have to, have to be committed to that goal. Not just over a week or two weeks or three weeks, or not even over a year, but over a lifetime. 
It takes a lifetime of devotion and work. Because the truth is, and most of you will know this line from the Spider-Man movie from a few years ago, but it's actually Voltaire. It's actually much, much higher quality than a Hollywood film. With great power comes great responsibility. We've been given great power to uphold the kingdom of God in this world, to uphold the name of Christ in this world. Because no matter what you do, good or bad, it reflects on Him when you wear the name of Christian. When you wear His name, it reflects on Him. We bear that responsibility as well as bearing that power of being God's representatives. It's who we are. So as you approach a new time, a new year, a new tomorrow, consider what great responsibility you have and the great power that you have as well. What will you transform about yourself? What will you get rid of? What will you work to transform in your life? What strengths will you practice? What love will you share? Because we saw what Christ did as the incarnation. We saw what He did. He lived His life in such a way it cost Him His life here. He gave everything. And if we're going to wear that name, we have to be willing to give up everything. To let go of everything in our old life, all of our old self, and be a new creation. If you need help with that this morning, if you need encouragement or support, we're here for you. If you need prayer or forgiveness, we're here for you. If you need this church family to rally around you, to hug you, and just let you know that we indeed are still here for you, we're here together as we stand and sing.